CJRU had the honor of working with Nunavut as their production partner for the National Day of Broadcast and conducted phone interviews with some incredible youth leaders. First, we hear from Kelly Frazier, a youth musician from Igloolik, about how she uses music to celebrate her Inuit culture. Fraser. I was born in Iglulik and I am from Sanikilo, Nunavut. Went to school. I learned how to play guitar. I had a strong will to learn some music. And I made songs in my language. And I, yeah, I used to go kayaking at home and hunting and fishing and making some dried fish. Sedna is the Inuit goddess Inuit believed in before Christian missionaries came to convert the Inuit. It's a story about a young woman who didn't want to get married. There were events marrying a dog because she didn't want to marry anyone else in her village. After giving away her puppies that populated the world, she found herself in a boat with her father and falling into the water and becoming um, the sea goddess. Shamans would have to do swim underneath the water to tell Sedna she's beautiful to get the animals back on the land and in the water because she would sometimes keep them in her hair um, when she was angry. And so uh, she'd keep them in her hair and people get taboos, and she would release them only when she was pleased with the way the shaman cut her, combed her hair, and told her she's beautiful. And um, I sing a little bit about that in the song. But I find that the story um, is very sad. So I wanted to make a song that celebrated Sedna and I sing as if I'm her and it's a pop song, it's an EDM song and I think it's important to sing of stories that are important to our culture. Um, we need, we've suffered a lot from colonialism and I like to, I'd like to show in where we come from and tell Canadians and the rest of the world where I come from and how proud I am to be in and from a strong culture that survived in the Arctic for thousands of years. I was told the Sedna story when I was a little girl and to me I thought it was uh, very neat to have a woman who took charge, um, a woman who was the goddess instead instead of a man that uh, is normally um, a large belief. I really think that it 
empowered me and it means a lot to me and it means taking back uh, what was stolen away and taken away from me. So that's what Sema means to me. I'm really hoping to get more young people to do more music in Inuktitut and in modern ways that they can, uh, like I am. Like I translate songs in English uh, right now and and translating Havana. I love that song by Camila Cabello. And I really, I, I hope workshops to teach music writing and we write lyrics and we use a drum. And every time I go to a community, I've gone to about seven miles uh, where I hope those workshops. And every time uh, it is so easy for them, for the young people or for, for whoever went to my workshop to write a song in their language, in their dialect. Uh, they wrote it. I just co-wrote it. I just kept the energy up. And, and yeah, in these workshops, we make beautiful songs. Um, one of my favorites is in Hall Beach. It's called Manirayak, Manirayak. And it goes, Manirayak, Manirayak. And it's flat and hard beach. It's very beautiful in the winter. Let's go hunting. <laughs> and so I'm really hoping that in, the, in all our Arctic communities, we can support our artists and that. Uh, someday, someday we can really build them up and see them all performing all around the world. That's exactly what's happening right now. I'm hoping to win a Juno. I'm hoping to travel more around the world. Right now I'm performing for Indie Week and we're competing to win for a performance in London, England, so I hope I win. And, yeah, I really like people to listen to my songs. It's on YouTube, it's on uh, Spotify, iTunes, Play Music. If you have a talent, you should, you should go show your talent. Uh, I've been translating songs since I was 15 years old. I really want my culture and my language to survive. And I'd really love for people to listen to Inuktitut. It's very beautiful. And to continue looking at wonderful Inuit artists like Tanya Parat, Rita, Mike, Nelson Taruna, Joshua Hamarev. Listen to these amazing artists. Leave us alone. We're looking for a seal for our family's meal so we can stay warm. We can't afford the food at the store. What are we supposed to do? 
We're looking for a seal. Please leave us alone. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. Let me finipunga. Uno ilaka nirnemada. Atunemata natsivinu. Hissing a knee. Inui u hosni. Tapwa. Tisa suka. We're looking for a seal for our family's meal So we can stay warm We can't afford the food at the store What are we supposed to do? Please leave us alone. Leave us alone. Please leave us alone. Leave us alone. Please leave us alone. Leave us alone. Please leave us alone. We're looking for a seal. Please leave us alone. Leave us alone. I love my culture. I love my food. I love the way we show gratitude. The fearless hunter on the ice, taking aim so precise. The only way to get food tonight. Why do we always have to fight for the right to hunt, for the right to sell? Since the 80s when the prices fell, activists getting all the pay. So listen to me when I say the silkin ban is just a scam. That's what I want you to understand. We're looking for a seal for our family's meal So we can stay warm We can't afford the food at the store What are we supposed to do? We're looking for a seal Please leave us alone Leave us alone Please leave us alone Leave us alone, please leave us alone, leave us alone, please leave us alone, we're looking for a seal, please leave us alone. That was Looking for a Seal by Kelly Frazier. You can find more of her work by searching for Kelly Frazier on YouTube. Next, we speak with David Korgak. David is currently interning as a child and youth advocacy specialist with the Representative for Children and Youth in Nunavut. Now, David got to join this very interesting program through a marriage of on-the-job training and also Inuit societal values, um, which is the development of skills through observation, mentoring, practice, and effort. And it's something David has gotten a lot of value out of. The program also aims to increase Inuit beneficiary representation and management level positions across Nunavut. Let's listen to how David started on this journey. I'm born and raised in Italy. I lived uh, the last majority of my life um, in the community. Uh, I went through every school that there is aside from uh, the French language school. When I when I was about 16, that's when I started working with. Uh, uh, children and youth and um, things like that, and I've always sort of geared uh, my job choices and things like that toward uh, working with children and youth, and it was just something that I've never really heard of before because it was uh, 
the concept that was new to minimum was uh, children's rights. And, you know, an internship like this one was a great opportunity for me to get my foot in the door. I said my position is the Child and Youth Advocacy Specialist Intern, which is uh, a long way of saying I am I, an individual advocate intern, really. I work one-on-one with uh, children and youth across the territory um, to ensure that the government of Nunavut is uh, meeting their needs and uh, ensuring that their rights are upheld. The internship program itself is called the Civilic Up Internship Program, and uh, basically what that is, it's an on-the-job program, internship program designed uh, for any and what that is is uh, they are the only eligible people to go into these positions and what that's meant to do is uh, create a higher representation in like management and uh, specialist uh, positions in the government of Nunavut. It's on-the-job training and you spend your years as an intern, it opens so many doors for anybody that wants to do it and I'm so lucky I got to do it because now through this uh, internship I'm going back to uh, finish my degree. David has had an opportunity to travel uh, throughout Nunavut and that's something that has come to him also through this unique internship program and given him a greater awareness of the communities of Nunavut. I've gone to a lot of different communities that I never would have gone to um, through my position telling people about our office and uh, you know spreading the word about how good uh, this office is and how we can help all these all the children and youth in the territory. And, uh, you know, this internship is kind of, or that coming into fruition. Once again, our congratulations to David for his work as an intern through the Sivolictiksat internship program. We say Nekormik, David. Thank you for talking to us. Angai. Now for a quick announcement from the Representative for Children and Youth in Nunavut. Today is National Child Day, a day to celebrate the rights of children and youth in Nunavut and around the world. Although we pause to celebrate today, it is important to remember that children and youth have rights each and every day of the year. Hello, I'm Sherry McNeil-Mulak, the representative for children and youth in Nunavut, and it's my job to make sure the rights of young Nunavut are respected and upheld. While young people have many important rights, today I'd like to talk about a young person's right to culture. The right to culture means a young person can practice their own customs and traditions, can speak their own language, and hold their own beliefs.
welcome back to Radio Change the World, a national community radio broadcast for children's rights. The music you've been hearing comes from us from the Anukshuk Drum Dancers. CJRU has had the privilege of talking with Mary Piercy, who is the choir director of the Anukshuk High School Choir, known as the Anukshuk Drum Dancers. Choir is dedicated to promoting Inuit culture, preserving the Inuktitut language, artistic excellence, and above all, the joy of singing. Here's a bit of our conversation. Well, the Inukshuk drum dancers are a part of um, the Inukshuk High School. Um, I moved to Khalid in uh, 2008. I'm hired as the music teacher here at the high school. And just found that there was very little um, Inuit music available uh, to teach at the high school level. And so I started the choir uh, with the mandate of singing only Inukitut songs and songs from the, uh, the Inuit community of Nunavut. And just set about then going uh, to collect music from various musicians, um, inviting musicians in, uh, tradition bearers, throat singers, drum dancers, uh, so that we could make um, Inuit music um, a, a big part of the music program, in addition to learning concert band and guitar and those types of instruments. We just really wanted, um, you know, to promote Inuktitut and to have Inuit music as part of the school uh, program. And that's how the choir got started, and it's been nine years going now. The choir gives young people a chance to travel farther and wider than many of their peers and really represent their people. When when there's things going on, like, say, the Arctic Winter Games or anything like that, where Nunavut has to be represented culturally, um, it's often my choir that gets chosen to represent Nunavut traditionally and contemporary in different uh, venues like that, or the, the Unisong down in, in Ottawa, like we, or we've been to Alaska, we've been to Greenland, we've been, we've traveled all over as ambassadors for, for Nunavut to, to show off traditional and contemporary culture. The kids love it. I must say, because we're the capital city, so there's lots of opportunities for our students to travel with the school. Um, The nice thing about the choir is that there often doesn't have to be that fundraising aspect of it or or the money aspect of it, because a lot of times the travel opportunities for our for our youth are for people who can afford or can pay for those travel. But if you're a member of the choir, often uh, the money that we receive are usually through grants. They could be through territorial grants or federal grants that are meant to promote Inuit culture. And for that reason, everyone within the choir then gets to go. And then it doesn't matter how much money a family would have or, you know, so everyone gets to go for those trips. The songs, whether they're contemporary or traditional, are perhaps the best chance of preserving language and storytelling in Nunavut. We do many different types of things to try to uh, preserve not only the language but the correct dialect. So, say, for example, we were singing a song from Akvia, which is on the western side of Hudson Bay. It's quite a bit west from us. 
Um, if the song came from Akhviat and it was written by a person from Akhviat, then we would try to maintain the Akhviat dialect for that. And by doing so, uh, we would invite someone from Akhviat into the choir to be able to pronounce the, the text so that we are able to pronounce it in the in the proper way. But you will find that there's less Inuktitut spoken um, amongst the young people within the city. And so if there's that fear, of course, that Inuktitut will be lost, you can feel it, the sense of loss within some of the students. Some of our students can't speak Inuktitut at all or they can speak a little bit, but they may not be able to have deep conversations with their elders because their level of inuktitut is not quite as strong as the elders. Uh, quite a few girls within the choir who are very strong in their inuktitut skills, and then they become the inuktitut instructors for their uh, for their peers. And, and uh, it just makes that I see others, choir members, uh, really want to learn the language, learn the language, or learn more about their language if they've lost it, or say they're a third generation, you know, where English is spoken at home. And uh, I can just see it in the nine years that I've been here. Um, just through the music alone, you can see um, a lot of growth within um, developing and bringing back, or or fostering um, Inuktitut language growth. The traditional Inuit drum is called the pilaut or pilauti. And uh, traditionally, it was made from the, the willow trees because, you know, we're above the uh, tree line. So years ago, there would be no trees and no wood. So it was made from the little willow uh, trees. And then the, the skin that was stretched around it was a, a caribou skin. And traditionally, um, way back uh, before colonization, uh, drum dances were held for many different reasons. I mean, they could have been part of a feast whenever communities got together um, after be being out hunting. And uh, and then, yeah, usually the male, uh, one of the male uh, members of the community would drum dance while the female members sang his particular song. Um, and his song he would have composed while he was out hunting. And a lot of the times the songs were about hunting experiences or different types of experiences on the land and then that way uh, you know hunting uh, trails or where good hunting uh, kind of traveled then uh, by oral tradition from one generation to the next since uh, years ago it was uh, uh, right and so a lot of the stories uh, about people's history about different parts of the land or good hunting those things were passed on through oral tradition by, by the song um, but then there's, there were other reasons to have a drum dance. It could have been, uh, you know, a duel between two members of the community. There was no, uh, you know, police officers or, but you know, we had their own a type of law and an own way of, of dealing with different uh, disagreements. And a lot of times those disagreements were done through music. And whoever was the best drum dancer or had the best song would then win the dispute, and then the dispute would be over, and then that would be it, and then that would be the way that type of law was dealt with. Um, that could have been drum dances were used as celebration, you know, a new birth or a first kill or just getting together or anything. I mean, any type of reason for having, uh, yeah, uh, a celebration of sorts. So that would be traditionally. Of course, today, even at the high school, um, those traditions are very, very different. Now we drum dance to promote Inuit culture or to show off uh, Inuit culture to uh, national audiences, to make national audiences aware of the Inuit culture that's here. Um, 
but still that celebration um, aspect is still alive. The sense of community coming together is still alive, um, even even if the drum dance is not done traditionally, because, of course, um, tradition tends to is not static. You know, it continues to evolve and change, and we now have female drum dancers. We sometimes choreograph drum dance. Uh, where we have multiple dancers doing the same thing or different things at, at times. So things have changed, but a, a lot of the same sentiments are, are still very much alive. So, yeah. Today, within the choir, you'll often notice that the students connect with the, say, the text or the lyrics of a particular song or of a particular singer. And we have one woman in town, her name is uh, Louis Ariak, and she's written a couple of songs for us. Uh, they're not traditional, they're contemporary Inuktitut songs, and a lot of times her her songs are about um, never giving up, suicide prevention, um, yeah, knowing that there's people always there for you, that sometimes life is hard, but through music and through community, we can all be supporters and helpers of one another. This year, the choir took an important step in producing the first ever Inuit choral songbook. And I just recently put a book out um, in collaboration with uh, many Inuit within this region, uh, a songbook uh, with the CD of the choir, where uh, the Inuktitut, um, there's, you know, there's no mistakes it's in the spelling. It's all done by, by region. And we had many Inuit uh, editors go over all of the text to make sure it was correct. And then that book now has gone into all of the schools within Nunavut. There's 17 um, songs. Um, just that if you know people want to participate in Inuit culture through through singing, then um, if they're written out in music notation, and then the CD, of course, accompanies it. One of the ones that I love is called Inusivut, and Inusivut means Inuit ways or our ways, meaning, you know, cultural ways. And it, it is a drum dance song, but it's not traditional. It was written in the 19, well, probably 2000, 2003 around, um, by a man whose his daughter was singing in the choir, and he wanted um, a song for her to sing um, that talked about uh, Inuit culture. And so the, the translation of the text says, today um, our Inuit ways are strong. They are strong, and we need to follow them. And so uh, one another song that is lovely on that CD is uh, one called Inuit Sibunik Sanga, and that one was written by two women, uh, Sylvia Tutsier and uh, Selina Kaluk. And what's lovely about that one, and it also has throat singing and drum dancing in it, um, but the text translates, um, it talks about the future of Inuit, and the future of Inuit, and the future of Inuktitut, and the future of Inuit uh, customs lies within young people. And so the future of Inuit are the young people, the young Inuit. The translation of Pinarevara Nunavut is I am home in Nunavut. And that song is sung in both languages, in English and Inuktitut. 
and it talks about um, living on the tundra. Um, it just talks about being at home in Nunavut and what's lovely about the land um, and the beauty of Nunavut. So. We asked Mary to tell us more about the origins of throat singing. Throat singing was just for women, and it would have been a game uh, that two, usually just two women played to, to pass time or to rock their babies to sleep because the sounds from the throat would have vibrated through the back, and then the baby was held in the amalti on the back, and so throat singing kind of... Um, help the baby to fall asleep. So it was a pastime that women did, um, say, in the igloo or the tent while they waited for the hunters to come back or while they were sewing or cooking or preparing skins or whatever. The sounds within the throat mixed in with tonal sounds too, though, because there's a lot of uh, singing and melody that is included. And the, the sounds mimic sounds of nature. So there's one throat song that's the sound of wind. And so you can actually hear the sound of wind coming through as the two female throats sing. Or it could be the sound of a mosquito buzzing, or the sound of bubbling, boiling water, or the sound of a polar bear, or different types of animals um, on the tundra. And then there's uh, there's one um, that the girls do that's just called the competition. And what it is is the it's a, it's like a cannon. So there's a leader and a follower. Thing. And of course, just like Tanya Tagak, um, you know, today the choir, we do traditional Inuit throat singing done in a traditional way as learned by elders or tradition bearers that have come into the classroom to teach it to us. Um, but the girls have also uh, taken on a more innovative contemporary stance as well, where they've taken throat singing and made it their own, and they've they've either changed the sounds or made new sounds, or they've added throat singing to uh, to other instruments. So we could have a, a song, say, you know, with guitar and drum set or bass and piano, and then add throat singing in it. We really like to to be innovative with it and to just to you know to progress and to to move forward with it. People are very positive because uh, it's, it's giving them people a wonderful thing to do. They're proud of their culture, proud of their language, and uh, proud of uh, pr promoting tradition. We still have people who will get into really good, lively discussions about what tradition is and whether we should be changing tradition or whether we should be changing uh, changing the way we do things. Sometimes we get a little bit of negativity about choreographed drum dances, or we might get a bit of negativity about uh, doing, uh, doing the throat singing in a different way. But it's not negativity in a, in a bad way. It is just, I guess, um, what I would call a very healthy discussion amongst all people about um, about whether you agree or disagree or what tradition is or what contemporary is 
or whether it's done correctly or incorrectly. Like it, it just opens up a really big, wide discussion between young people and old people um, about how things should go, which is in any culture, of course. So we do get that as well. Um, but in my opinion, I think it's quite healthy for those discussions to happen and also for them, the students, to recognize what their elders think is traditional and how it should be done traditionally and for us to do it that way and to have respect for it that way and then for the respectable always where, yes, well, now we're doing it in a different way, young people being innovative and creative and uh, and exciting. And, uh, and I must say most people are really happy with, with what we do. We thank Mary for talking to us about the right to culture through music. Mary has a PhD in ethnomusicology and teaches at a Nookshook High School. She writes choral arrangements for Inuit songs of her choir, the Nookshook Drum Dancers. Several of these arrangements can be heard on the choir's first CD. The music is truly inspiring, and you can order the choral songbook, Inuit Ingwisingit, a collection of Inuit choral music, on Amazon.com. You've been listening to Radio Change the World. This past hour, we spoke to young people in Nunavut about the right to culture. All of the music you've heard in this hour was generously provided by Kelly Frazier and the Inukshuk Drum Dancers. You can check out more of all of their music on YouTube and on Facebook as well.
Welcome back. That was the sound of drumming by the Nookshuk dancers. Did you know that most Inuit kids and young people live in 53 communities spread across the Inuit settlement region of the Northwest Territories, Nunavut, Nunavik, which is in northern Quebec, and Nunatsiavut, which is also known as northern Labrador. Inuit call all the regions where they live Inuit Nunagat. It encompasses roughly 35% of Canada's landmass and 50% of its coastline. Last on our program, we speak with Ruth the president of the National Inuit Youth Council. I didn't really care much about winning anything. I've been advocating for my people since when I was in high school, maybe, and I really got into politics more when I won the Everyday Political Citizen Award back in December of 2016, I believe, and that led me into, like, wanting to do more advocacy for my Inuit. And so I saw this ad where we could try to become the president of the National Inuit Youth Council. And so I applied, I got interviewed, and it's such a blessing to be in this position right now. Ruth told me that one of the main tasks of the National Youth Council is to find out what Inuit young people think and what they want for their future. The organization held a summit gathering last year to find this out. We have this 11th National Inuit Youth Summit, and it's where youth from across four regions in Canada were Inuit live. So Inuit youth in four regions came, and we had a week full of um, workshops, road cafes, guest speakers, and everything. And so they had the chance to have a voice and act tell me what they want to see in their community, like change or anything. And that really gotten up my ideas, basically. There were five main priorities that we talked about. And mm-hmm. Suicide prevention, education and empowerment, health, language, and reconciliation. Besides being president of the Youth Council, she's been an entrepreneur, and she was also valedictorian of her class. I asked Ruth what rights mean when you are a young person living in Nunavut. When a person who's from a different culture like myself and we have the right to our culture, to me it means like I have the right to kill the animals I eat, to wear to wear clothing for, and I have the right to speak my language. I shouldn't be forced to speak another language because that person doesn't understand or something and like I have the right to learn as everyone else, and I have the equality. I have the right to have the equality as everyone else and not be treated differently because I'm different than anyone else. Before I let Ruth go back to her studies in Ottawa, I asked her to share with me an example of her life growing up on the land in Nunavut, and also her advice for other young people in Nunavut who love their land but may be thinking they have to leave to pursue education. My advice for the people who want to move is like, go for it. Go, go somewhere to further your education. This is the only way to open doors to your uh, career life or even your life. Like, you get the opportunity to meet new people, experience different environments, grow as a person even. Like, I've only been here for two months, and I've already felt like I've grown so much since I moved here. Even though you're really homesick, you really have to finish what you started because that's how you weren't like raised to be like 
you weren't raised to be a quitter, but you were taught to always finish what you started. And some, yeah, there's like all these bad days, but bad days don't last forever. And it's only the beginning of your road. <laughs> when you're having like culture identity problems, just know that if you're an Inu, you you got this. Like your ancestors went through so much, so much, just for you to be here today. And please, please help me do our job and get back at them by doing good to others, to advocate for our people, to help our people. And I hope that you pursued your dreams and goals because. It's such an amazing feeling when you accomplish anything, like graduating high school, passing that class, finishing your homework. It, it's all the little things that you could accomplish that you should be a, a proud of yourself. And smiling at a stranger feels good. And so I hope you all do your best and not give up. Always have someone to talk to when you need to. And my, that's my advice to young people. I'm Sherry McNeil-Mulock, the representative for children and youth in Nunavut. Each year, our office works with Nunavut schools to offer an exciting contest called Your Store, Your Voice. The contest coincides with National Child Day and gives us an opportunity to promote classroom discussion about the very important topic of child and youth rights. This year, we asked young Nunavut youth to tell us what the right to play means to them. Article 31 of the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child states that young people have a right to play and recognizes that free, unstructured play is an important aspect of childhood. It also states governments should promote and protect this right by encouraging opportunities for children to play through culture, art, recreation, and leisure. We would like to thank all Nunavut students and teachers for their creative and thoughtful submissions. And without further ado, we would like to announce the winners of the 2017 Your Story, Your Voice contest. Our winner in the kindergarten grade three category is La Classe de Première Année de l'École de trois Soleil à Iqaluit. Our winner in the grade four to seven category is the E7 Grade 6 class from Netflix School in Tuloyawak. And our winner in the Grade 8 to 12 category is the Grade 9 class from Kikakak, Nilihaktik School in Johaven. Congratulations to this year's winners, and thank you to all students and teachers for your participation. To learn more about the rights of children and youth, visit rcynu.ca or call our office toll-free from anywhere in Canada at 1-855-449-8118. Happy National Child Day. I have a right to safety. I have a right to education. I have a right to my culture. Kids like me need to know about child rights and earlier age what to do about it. Today, the Canadian Council of Child and Youth Advocates asks you to make every day a day to stand up for children's rights in your life. 
The CCCYA is a group of advocates, ombudsmen, and representatives working to uphold the rights of all children and youth. This is especially crucial for Indigenous youth who continue to be overrepresented in the child welfare system. How can you stand up for child rights? Be aware and share information about child rights with your neighbors, teachers, and friends. Be ready to act when a child or youth needs your help. You can find resources about child rights and the council at cccya.ca. If you are a young person who needs the help of an advocate, you can also find the advocate for your own province listed on cccya.ca. This has been a message from the Canadian Council of Child and Youth Advocates. Thank you for listening to Radio Change the World a community radio broadcast about child rights in Canada. Ryerson student and youth advocate, Karis, heard about our broadcast and wanted to contribute. She wrote this song, Change the World, especially to remember all the children we lost this year and to empower the youth of tomorrow. Taking flight to higher heights, but you're putting me down, cutting me down, shoving me down. I am more than my religion, my complexion, disability, more than your perception, so much greater, but you're holding me down. Shoving me down, losing me down
Thanks for changing the world.